Well, hello and welcome to the Leverage 3 podcast. This is a place where high performers bring you three tactics that you can leverage today to impact your business and life. I'm Craig Shoemaker, and today's guest is Logan Storty. Logan teaches how to create high converting landing pages and to write appetizing copy, all toward the goal of increasing conversion sales and smiles for 13 plus different industries. Logan, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm excited to talk about everything landing page related today. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's how I found you. It was funny because I was thinking, all right, I need to build a better page for the podcast. <laughs> I want to learn from the best when it comes to landing pages. And here's your entire profile that's like tailor-made for landing pages. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's is that- taken about two years to get to that point, but now... A lot of people, that's how they find me. It's more of just like, oh, I kind of need this now. Like, oh, look at this guy. Right. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. So for the uninitiated, like, what's the difference between a landing page and a website's homepage or an order page? Yeah, so a lot of times the real main difference between a landing page and like a homepage or a traditional website is the fact that a website is more of like a storefront. And you're bringing a bunch of different people in and they kind of all need different things. So you need to show a bunch of different products, a bunch of different offers, um, a little bit of information about yourself that maybe you wouldn't do on a landing page. Because a landing page really just has one focus. And Mm -hmm. to have that page, it's targeted towards one specific kind of person. um, And there's only one offer on it. That's what it should be anyway. The best landing pages only have one offer on them. Um, so having that more focused energy and like all pointing towards the bottom of the page where there's different calls to action and whatnot, where a website's more of like, check out our social links, check out um, what our company's about and a whole variety of things. Um, okay. So the main difference really is just the focus on it. So, okay, so I think that, that, that kind of leads me towards one of the confusions I've had about landing pages as I've seen people talk about it on, on Twitter and online. And that is you're tailor making this for one specific person, right? Yeah. But oftentimes a product is meant for more than one person. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the copywriting rule is you write to one, you address many. Um, right. And I think to an extent, that's a good way of thinking about it. But for example, the landing page course that I'm like working on, I'm literally working on it right now. Like people could use that from a variety of different backgrounds. Maybe they want to land their own clients. Maybe they want to fix up their current pages. So I'm speaking to someone that wants to increase their conversions, but the background that that person comes from and the reason they would need that um, kind of stems from a variety. A variety of different things. So, okay, you are speaking to one. I would say one main benefit, and really okay. to a bunch of different possible backgrounds. But at the end of the day, you're going to get each of them that same result. And the best way to portray that throughout your page is to only talk about that main result. And then the people that need that result are going to come see your page, um, be interested by it, and then go try and find some action to take on your offer. Building a business is tough and even tougher when you do it alone. So why not use proven systems to help grow your business and focus your message? Now, Dan Coe is the creator's creator. 
His system found in the two-hour writer helps you cultivate your best ideas, and the Modern Mastery community is there to challenge and support your growth every step of the way. I'm there, and you should be too. So go to leverage3podcast.com slash co, that's K-O-E, and let's get you going. Okay. So, so when you're, you're building out this profile, you have this result that you're working towards. How far do you flesh it out? Like, do you, is it like building a full on persona or do you just have that one concept in mind and you just hammer every single part about that page against it? Yeah. So to an extent, you do want to build out some level of, um, like, I, I mean, there's people like Russell Brunson who he has an ideal client like worksheet in all of his ClickFunnels training. And it's like, what color shirt do they like wearing the most? Like, what's their <laughs> right. favorite food? And it's very, very in-depth. And to be honest, I don't think I've tried. I think I did that on my first landing page or something. And then I realized this takes way too long. And I probably could have gotten the same idea just by, like, figuring out this, this, and that. Um, right. So to an extent, I want to be able to understand them and understand their pains and problems and their goals and desires. But to figure out what their favorite food is. Maybe that's a fun joke to put in and make your page a little bit lighter. But at the end of the right. day, it's really not gonna push somebody towards a sale much more. Um, and obviously in some niches, it's much easier to figure out those things. Um, like for ex my example always is like the fitness industry, like people wanting to lose weight, like everybody knows kind of all the gimmicks and stuff that people talk about with that. And then even the basic promises and the reasons why people want to lose weight or the reasons why people want to put on muscle. Um, so to a certain extent, you can kind of get a good idea just from knowing that audience. Um, but other times it's about diving in and doing that research. Gotcha. Yeah. And so w when it comes to research, what are you doing? Are you looking at forums? Are you talking to specific people? What does that look like? Yeah. So Usually the projects I've been working on recently are a lot of um, warmer projects. So it's like I'm releasing a product to my audience or um, ah. I'm building a product for this group of people and I've kind of already come in contact with them. So it's much easier when you already have an audience, obviously, because you just can ask them, hey, what would you like to see? What kind of problems would this solve for you? Um, but in the cases where you don't, it's about finding those people that you think would be your ideal customer and talking to them about your potential product, the direction you would take things, and then maybe how they perceive that direction and if that would like align with their goals and whatnot. Um, so the best way of doing that, going and talking to these people, obviously it's not always accessible um, to go and just find these people, but it is possible. And obviously an easy way to go through is go through a Reddit form or something like that, see the problems mm -hmm. people have, uh, another way I go about doing things is looking at reviews from competitors' products or like Amazon reviews for things, looking at the best reviews and the worst reviews. Because the worst reviews, it's like, this didn't have what I needed, it didn't last long enough, uh, it wasn't sturdy enough, something like that, or it didn't help me solve X. Um, so then those are a bunch of things that you should include in your course or figure out if that's like the better angle than this competitor took. Whereas the best right. reviews, it's everybody saying, oh my gosh, it helped me accomplish this. It lasted three years. Um, my kid threw it against a wall and it didn't break. Something like that <laughs> where you can tell that they really enjoyed it. And um, that's like a selling point right there. Like you're handing a kid a toy maybe and it's 
gonna break as soon as they like touch it like that's not a really great right. selling point but if it's indestructible like parents are gonna love that um right maybe not for their windows but yeah we get that <laughs> right <laughs> so so do you see there being like different types of categories of landing pages or is it more about just the the construct of what's in individual pages yeah so in i don't think i ever like learned a way of separating these things but the way i've kind of defined or like categorize them is really by like their offer so to me it's for high ticket stuff you want the call to action to be like booking a call like getting on a call we can discuss your um, situation a little bit further and kind of qualify you other times for low ticket items and whatnot it's just straight to a checkout page so the way you angle those pages is much different because it's like, okay, no commitment really. You're just signing up for a 15-minute call where we may or may not sell something to you. And the other one is you're paying us right now on the spot. Um, so that's kind of how, for the most part, like I think the two biggest spots um, is really just the action to take. And then other times it's just a sign-up. It's like sign up for an email newsletter um, or something like that. So in my mind that's kind of how i categorize things but then obviously there's different sub industries for all that like an e-com page versus an info product landing page is a little bit different um, and there's different builders you would use for certain ones and whatnot but i like to think that the three main categories are really like booking a call sending to a checkout or just collecting basic information like an email and okay. your first name gotcha yeah. So, all right. So let, let's say that you've done some of this initial research, you, you sort of have in your back pocket, the pain points, you know, the, the, the types of things that people are looking for in order to, to, to decide something is, is good or effective or worthwhile. So, so you have that and now you, you have to start building a landing page. Like where do you begin from there? Yeah. So Recently, with the page I'm working on right now, the easiest thing for me to do is kind of get a better idea of what all is inside the offer and what exactly everyone is getting and wants. So to me, that's laying out all of the features of the offer. Like I go through and just lay out every possible thing that like is helping these people that I have inside. So I made this to do this. Okay, what is that? So it tends to be a list of like 10 to 20 things. And then I go through and I turn those into like benefit driven points. So it's not okay. even, so you're turning features to benefits now because obviously big copywriting rule is only sell the benefits, don't sell the features. Um, right. So it's essentially like in your mind, just transforming those features into benefits. And then that helps me throughout the rest of the landing page process to kind of describe my offer and also display the value that's inside the offer. Um, so there's a whole another sub process to turning features to benefits, but for the most part, you really just want to, for example, a landing page course, you're not going to say make pretty looking landing pages. You're going to say, <laughs> um, make landing pages that convert sales and get you more customers or book more calls for you and your business. Right. Um, that's more benefit driven and people can visualize and relate the, to that much more than just like create a landing page. Yeah. Um, well, I think you tweeted a, a graphic about um, uh, Apple's copywriting techniques. And one of the examples in there was like, oh, we have dark mode. It's like, no, no, no. 
it's easier on your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always those little things that you can kind of tweak. And I mean, for the most of copywriting, that's all copywriting is. It's tweaking something and putting like a positive spin on things. So like even handling objections, the way you handle objections on a landing page is by listing out all possible objections. So this is like my second step in the landing page process essentially is after you've gone through all the benefits and whatnot, what questions do they have? What things are stopping them from clicking the buy button? So I list all of that out and then I pretty much answer that objection in two to three sentences, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less sometimes, but um, it's a really great way to just like essentially insert that into your page and answer objections as people are having them going through your page. Um, right. So doing that dark mode stuff, it's like, here's my laptop. Like there's a, an Apple laptop, uh, a Mac that has like this really crazy brightness feature and something. And maybe someone's wondering like, is this really bad for my eyes? <laughs> and that's like an objection you could handle right there on the page. So right. Okay. Um, yeah. There's, there's caveats to everything. Like even if there's a benefit, there's probably some kind of um, objection towards that benefit or if they're going right. to get value from it and whatnot. Yeah, because the different contexts in which it's applied, it can, it can be looked at as a negative or a positive. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. Is, there, are there, is there an anatomy to a landing page? Because I'm, I'm, like we're talking about objections, right? So then the next thing that my mind goes to is then risk reversal. So like, are, are, is there just a checklist like every landing, good landing page should just have xyz all the way down so to an extent like i said um like with a sign up page or something sign up pages can be short enough where you don't even need to scroll and in that right. case you don't need like all of these crazy elements um but for the general landing page where you're selling something or you're trying to book a call i would say there is like a list of things that kind of should always be on those pages but really i like um have like a mini guide talking about like the 13 things you shouldn't have on your landing page okay or that are messing up your landing page and essentially it's just like it was 13 things that you should have on your page but the angle of it is that if you don't have these things or you're messing up how you have them on your page then you're probably missing out on sales and calls and signups um so to an extent there is some like a checklist um but at the same time for example like social proof how you apply social proof is different to everybody you ask like you can ask someone and they're going to say oh just throw five stars on the page somewhere and then another person's <laughs> right. going to be like you need 400 video testimonials um, <laughs> so there is like a happy medium there that it, there's not just like a perfect formula and for different products you require different things so right um yeah, for the most part, I would say there are some things that do well on every landing page, but there isn't a model that I just pump out every time someone asks for a landing page, sadly. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I would imagine that it, with those three categories, that does help sort of lead you in a direction, right? So like you're saying, if you just want an email address for a, a subscription, you're not going to have all those elements, but you'll have a, a strong lead and you'll probably have a description of, of benefits for them and kind of stop there. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. like those sign up pages, they can be the best converting ones I've seen are very, very simple and don't scroll. Like you can't scroll on the page because they're so short and sweet. Mm. Um, yeah. So it is a little bit different, but 
I mean, for all those pages, I have like a format that I kind of go by that tends to work pretty well. And then from there, awesome. it's always just about like the tweaking and stuff. So what what about the, the, the parts that make up all of these pieces? So I'm thinking about like positive types of wording and phrases versus negative types of wording and phrases. Like I know appealing to fear, appealing to the fear of missing out is a motivating factor. But I'm curious, like, do you want to kind of keep things all positive or can you go either way? Yeah, so I think there is. So this also depends, I think, on um, your target audience as well. Like I know some brands and whatnot that essentially just yell at people on their landing pages. <laughs> and, and there's others that are just like talking about kittens and stuff like that. So there's definitely right. a difference there. But the positive direction, you always want to have a positive direction. But talking about the negative things like pain points and stuff, like part of that needs to be negative to show that the positive is so much more valuable. To create that um, contrast. Exactly. And I think in that aspect, a positive and negative is a good thing. And with urgency, I think also doing the same is important. Urgency, scarcity, um, like all that limited time spot stuff. Hey, we only have 10 limited spots. But it's because we want to work with 10 people to such an extent that we get them insane results. So there is like you can put that positive spin on things and being able to justify that is really important. But I do think having that contrast is really important. And that's why as, as long as you don't push it too much, you don't want to yeah. make someone cry over your landing page. You know what I mean? So um, well, it's funny with the You know, we only have 10 spots thing. Like oftentimes I look at that and I'm like, you you've got 20 like you yeah. can fit as many people as you want in there like you're creating artificial scarcity but i think what you keyed in on is is key it's like but if the intent really is like i don't want to just sell courses i want to have students succeed and have the outcome of that be something significant then it becomes very real and hopefully something that you can express in a palatable way through your copy exactly yeah and i think showing even showing that side of things is much more personal and like being vulnerable and more personal on these landing pages is important and it's something like a lot of big brands aren't doing but it's something they're kind of shifting to now um but being able to show that you're actually there to help and maybe that is the reason for your scarcity i think goes a long way that's cool yeah what about the visual aspects i i another one of your tweets that you put i i think was uh the actual hex code color of Amazon's call to action button. Yeah. Uh, FF9900. <laughs> oh, he's got it memorized. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, that's just like CTA colors or like the button colors and whatnot is a big thing because if people don't know how to buy, they're not going to buy. So making those buttons and whatnot stand out is really important. And for the most part, I feel like a lot of companies have blue um, like brand colors. So then the opposite of that blue is that bright orange that a lot of people right. use. Um, but yeah, so there's a rumor going around that that's the best converting color unless your whole page is orange. Um, but <laughs> right. that's the best converting color because everyone sees Amazon everywhere and uh, whatnot. But I think color in general to me, I've not had any design experience. I started out as a copywriter and then realized that the copy I was writing for these people's landing pages, like their landing pages were crap. So I was like, well, I can do a better job than that. Um, right. 
So my background isn't in the design and the color aspect. So for me, it's more of just like about a flow of color and without being too disrupting. So a lot of times my go-to landing page colors are white uh, and off-white, which is just F7, 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 and it is barely off-white, but it's just right. enough difference, like back-to-back -back sections, you can tell that's different. And gotcha. then yeah. like their brand color, which is usually blue, maybe like a light orange, something like that. Um, right. But those are, I mean, then that's the only three colors I use on the entire page besides like whatever pictures and whatnot they have. But um, yeah, that CTA color is important because if it's not standing out, people get confused. And even this one demographic, uh, I have a client that has an older demographic. I think the average age of people that he purchases products is like 55 or 60 or something like that, which is an old but I mean, those people didn't grow up with the internet and whatnot. So right. everything they see on the computer is kind of like, can be like really crazy to a, even like a seven year old that's purchasing something. So we found that a lot of times they were clicking on the pictures to just, and the pictures didn't do anything, but okay. they were clicking on the pictures. So we right. had the pictures linked to the checkout and then we saw more sales. <laughs> that's so, awesome. Yeah. It's kind of just like, I mean, there's like little hidden things here and there, but for the most part, as long as your buttons stand out, people are going right. to find them and purchase and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that so, was just. Yeah, the, the call to action button makes like it being bright and obvious and big makes a lot of sense. Do you, does the title, does the lead color, does that matter at all? Or is. Like the, the headline color? The headline, yeah. I would say. Um, for the most part, no. I think so on some sales and stuff that we'll do, we'll have like a top header that's above the like headline and main hero section, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes if we're doing a sale or something, I'll make that red. Because to me, red is the color. Anytime I see that on a page, it's like scarcity, urgency, like this page is right. going to blow up if you don't purchase soon or right. something like that. <laughs> Pay attention um, to this thing. Yeah, exactly. But besides that, like I, th I think red is really the only color I'll push on if I'm looking for something like that. Other than that, it's really just about making sure that it's not like any crazy colors. I tend to stay in the realm of just like blue, black, white, um, maybe like a darker shade of their brand color or whatnot. But I try not to make anything too flashy because to me that looks almost like scammy and fake. Mm -hmm. um, and just keeping it simple with that black and the white and whatnot tends to just work out better and look better for most pages. That makes sense. When it comes to the actual words that you use and the language you employ, how do you figure out when you're going from client to client and you, you know, marketing products that perhaps you've never even used before, how do you speak the language of the customer? So a lot of times I'll go back and look through uh, their past work, content, emails and whatnot, their past pages, kind of see the words they use to a certain extent, because I'm obviously not going to be able to mimic it every single word and letter I put on the page. But most times I can get a general feel for, okay, this is a softer toned um, company or client. This is someone that's willing to yell at their people a little bit more. <laughs> and so there's definitely, I would say I really just go off of those two main categories. And then um, the specific wording and whatnot that I use is really just pulled from their already existing wording. So their courses and whatnot, I just throw that on the page and then 
over time, you can kind of refine that as well and learn those little words that um, fit in a little bit better. But for the most part, it's kind of just running that stuff by the client and having them go through, tweak it and add their own voice into things. Um, So that's usually like a three step process of like, here's the page I made, go through, tweak it, and then I'll go back through and make sure everything looks good and your tweaks make sense with what I had written from before. Um, But usually it's not much work for them. It's more of just like, like I put a lot of smiley faces in my writing and on my pages and stuff. And a lot of people don't do that. Like I... So I tend to just throw those into my copy sometimes. And then they're like, why did you put a smiley face there? Um, so sometimes it's I kind of shine through um, with my own voice. So it's easier to tone that back on their side of things. Right. Yeah. If, if, if they don't feel like that fits their brand type of a thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And even sometimes when I'm pushing a little bit too hard and their client base is more laid back and doesn't need to be sold to uh, very harshly or with too many countdown timers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, there's definitely a fine line, but between the two of you or multiple of you, you can find that balance and um, serve the customers better. Gotcha. Do you feel like there's any prevailing wisdom or you know, tips or techniques or anything that out there that you feel like, I wouldn't do that or you kind of disagree with? Um, I would say... Because scarcity, urgency, and all that stuff plays such a big role in a bunch of, like my best projects have always been from a price increase sale, limited amount of spots, um, or something along those lines, like, or we're going to take this course offline at the end of the week, something like that. Mm. And I know, I've heard of a lot of people that really do just fake that stuff, and it's not truthful. And to me, I think you could probably get away with it but I don't, it's not the right thing to do and to push people on all this FOMO and stuff and then not even have the real urgency and scarcity there. It's There's nothing to miss out on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a little sleazy. Right. Um, so it's, I think there is a fine line for that kind of stuff. And I've definitely heard of a lot of people just saying like, oh, you probably shouldn't do it. But if you do, it's not that big of a deal. But right. I think it is a big deal. And I think even the clients you work with, you don't want to just say like, hey, let's pretend there's five spot, five spots. And then if 10 people sign up, we'll just say, oh, well. All right. Um, so, I, yeah. And so I think that's really the only thing in like my side of the industry that I would say, because for the most part, everyone else is pretty truthful and um, willing to put out good stuff to attract good people and good customers. and be happy with the results they got, not just go off some crazy thing or all like the clickbaity titles where it's right. completely unrelated stuff. And they always try and wrap it back and say like, Oh, I was just kidding or something like that. And I was like, okay, like that would make I'm me out. leave the page probably. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's a battle they're fighting. I'm not sure, but right. Yeah. Now we've covered a lot of ground here and you've given a huge foundation for people to, to kind of build off of. And so I kind of want to move into the more practical aspects of things. So, so let's cover like three things that people could do to take your advice and, and kind of really run with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think number one is always going to be doing that some level of market research beforehand. And I think that's like the thing people least want to hear. Um, but <laughs> I think I've had three or four projects ever just fall completely flat. Not 
we get a couple sales, but it's like, wow, that was really not the mm, not um, turnout we were hoping for. Yeah. Exactly. And every single time has been because we thought we knew the angle we needed to pursue. And we thought that the audience want, wanted what we had and specifically wanted the outcome that we were selling, that big idea. Um, so being able to, ideally, you want to go through and talk to your ideal customers beforehand, whether that's reaching out on social media to random people, uh, asking friends and family if they'll take a look at something. And obviously, you want to try and contact someone that's in your ideal customer range. Mm -hmm. um, but getting those eyes on it on, and being able to ask them questions about like, okay, what problems are you currently facing? What would you like to solve? Uh, what would solving those problems do? Kind of getting through that transformation with them and figuring out what their point A is and where their point B is will allow okay. you to market your product in a way that's really effective. Um, so sometimes, I mean, that is just going through forums and reviews on sites and seeing what the majority is like the goals that people wanted and the things that didn't work out and where they came from. Like a lot of people share their stories in reviews and whatnot. And it's like, yeah. oh, I started out, my kid was crying nonstop and now I have this pacifier that literally works 24 seven, something like right. that. Like a mom would snatch that up in a second. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I know some dads too. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh my goodness. So I think there's always a market for it if you can find that specific avenue to take with your product and offer. Mm -hmm. um, so number one is always going to be figuring out exactly what they want, that point A that they're at right now and the point B that they want to be. Um, number two that kind of goes along with that is handling objections on your landing page. There's going to be a base set of like five questions that a lot of people are always going to have. And then there's going to be a couple specific questions to your specific offer that people are probably asking and thinking about in their head as they're reading through your page. Um, so my advice to you would be, my advice to anybody, is to go through and, like I said, talk to those people. And then once you are talking to them, you can kind of pull out some objections that they're having or questions that they have. And all you have to do to address those on the landing page is spend a couple of sentences talking about the reverse of that, the benefit, like, um, how much does this cost? Oh, well, big agencies would charge you 2,000, 3,000 bucks. Uh, but because we've packaged it up and figured out a way to sell it many times over, we're only going to charge $37 today or something like right. that. Um, so, I mean, then you're handling an objection. And also the other side of that is like throwing stones at the other companies and whatnot, your competitors, showing right. that you have a much better offer. Differentiated um, in, in that way. Exactly. And yeah. The best way after you've kind of gotten some people through the pipeline a little bit is asking the people that have already bought, uh, what did they like maybe hesitate on and what made them end up purchasing in the end and being able to speak on those points more on your landing page is always going to help people connect more and more people are going to end up converting. Right. Um, so after doing all the objection stuff, third way, uh, the thing, the thing I always suggest is really just to keep your landing pages and marketing in general simple. Because people, I think especially now in a world of 2020, there's so many things coming at us from every different angle on every different platform. You open up your phone and you talk about deodorant, you're going to get deodorant ads or something like that. Oh, I hate that. That's just, <laughs> it's the it's scary. thing. It really is. Um, so I think being able to be really simple with your marketing it stands out in itself and 
having your landing page be really, really simple and straight to the point. You don't need to hire five designers to figure out how to sell your pacifier to a mom. Like you just have to speak to the points that are really going to connect home um, with her and help her out. So I think it is keeping things simple stands out and it's obviously much easier on your part to not have to try and take a design course or hire a designer and whatnot. And best pages I've had haven't been scrollable. Obviously it's just a sign up for a free thing. So it's not like there's much friction there. Um, But those pages can convert 80, 90% to the right audience. So um, simple sells and it always does. I love that. Simple sells. Yeah. I'm going to, that's my tagline now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it on Twitter. That's right. So you have like a course coming out, right? If people want to know more about you and kind of follow up with this, where, where would they go? Yeah. So I've been posting pretty much every day on Twitter. Uh, my username is at lofted learning. Um, so I'm always going to be around there that you can find out more information. I have a bunch of free guides on like mistakes for landing pages and um, a whole bunch of other stuff. And then, yeah, Starting December 1st, I think, is when the actual landing page course is going to come out. Uh, but we'll have some special stuff leading up to that that's uh, going to get people excited about things. So Awesome. But yeah, that's Twitter's great. the place to be. Cool. I'm going to have to check out the landing page for the landing page course and find out what I can learn. <laughs> I'm actually that. recording, um, like I'm doing a little behind the scenes of it so that people that purchase the course can see my thinking for building out nice. the page and stuff. Um, yeah, because as I'm doing it, I was like, why am I not recording this? <laughs> right? <laughs> that makes perfect sense. That's yeah. so awesome. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Now, the worst thing we can do is let all this wisdom pass us by and not act on it. There's so much more to the show, but you'd be missing out if you don't subscribe to the newsletter. This is where you start to leverage these tactics that you've heard in the show in a very real way. So go to leverage3podcast.com and you can join right there on the homepage. Also, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter where I'm at Craig Shoemaker. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you have a great day. Find someone to love, find someone to forgive and find someone to encourage today. Thanks again. And I'll see you here again soon on the Leverage 3 Podcast.